Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. talk to you about split checks and elevators, split checks and elevators. And next week, we're going to start a series called Your Own Worst Enemy. And it's going to be a series talking about how not to be your own worst enemy. I cannot wait for this series. I cannot wait for this series. Um, But I am excited about today talking about split checks and elevators. In 1999, uh, my wife, Casey, and I, we were youth pastors in Wichita Falls, Texas. Anybody in this place or online been to Wichita Falls, Texas? Just raise your hand. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I lived there for two years and I love, I love the people of Wichita Falls. They are some of the nicest, most friendly people I have ever met. They were fantastic to Casey and me, but the town of Wichita Falls is the worst place to ever, that I've ever lived. I've ever lived worst place is Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, it is the armpit of Texas is how I describe it. If there's nothing good there. You will just want to get in and get out. Um, and so anytime we would have a, a time we could get away or vacation, we would leave Wichita Falls. And we were poor. My wife was going and getting her master's at college at that point. Um, I was a youth pastor at a smaller church, so my salary wasn't very big. So most of the time when we would go do vacations, our vacations were to our parents' house. How's that sound for sexy, right? Like, cue the Barry White coming from the guest room. Um, but, hey, girl, um, Bob's not going to, anyways, um, don't come a knocking, Bob. Anyways, um, so I don't know how I got here. It's because I preached. This is my third sermon. This is how I got there. The filter's gone. So I have no idea what's in store for you, second service. Woo, it's getting hot in here. Um, so we would go to my parents, her parents. Her parents lived in Texas. However, one time we decided that we were going to stay at a hotel. And our associate pastors, who was my boss, um, went with us, and they were like, hey, let's just go to Dallas together. And we were like, okay. Um, but if we were going to go to Dallas, we were going to have to budget. Um, we didn't go stay in some bougie um, hotel like the Mayo or something like that. We stayed at the Hampton Inn. Um, but we were going to go eat at some nice places. But we had to be very, very careful on how we spent our funds, how we budgeted. Um, otherwise, this was going to really hurt us. And so we get our, our, our Hampton in, we go to the first restaurant, and it's one of our favorite restaurants called Houston's. Um, and it was a great restaurant in Dallas. Um, we think Red Rock Canyon Grill, kind of along that lines. Um, and we were going, and the waiter comes up, and he says, hey, w- what are you gonna have to drink? And Casey and I look at each other, water, right? Because water costs nothing. But we're like, we wanted to feel fancy, so we asked them for some lemon and lime, so that we felt like we were drinking something we shouldn't, right? And so, um, so, water with limes and lemons, and our associate pastors ordered iced teas, right? Iced teas are considered drinks. So we're like, okay, they're already beating us on this. And so um, they come back, waiter comes back, hey, are you guys going to have any appetizers? Nope, we're not doing an appetizer. Our associate pastor, yeah, we'll do a spinach artichoke dip. And um, it is in this moment that I had an epiphany that I realized at restaurants, 
You can identify all the rich people at a restaurant by those who order drinks, those who order appetizers or get desserts. You are the one percenters of that restaurant. And if you order alcohol, you're on a whole nother level because sometimes alcohol costs more than your meal. I'm like, holy. So at that point, I'm like, when I'm rich, I'm ordering an appetizer, right? means if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm getting queso. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting queso, even if it's not free. Um, anyways, they get an appetizer. Waiter comes back. Hey, would you, entrees, Casey and I are like, hey, we're going to split a club sandwich. If you don't know what a club sandwich is, it's a fancy ham sandwich with some bacon on it. That's all it is. And with some french fries. Our, our associate pastors, they order one order to steak. And I don't remember what the other one was because I was like, how much money do you make that you can order a steak and an appetizer and two iced teas? Waiter comes back, well, any desserts? Nope, they order dessert. And, and here's the kicker. I'm like, holy cow, you just blew your whole budget, dummy, right? Like, how, how, what, what, what? The waiter comes back, he's like, hey, how are we gonna split these checks? Remember, this is my boss that I work for. And he goes, I think we can just split it down the middle. My wife grabs my leg and is like under the table, like not very white grab, like not like a ooh, girl, right? Like, like, oh girl, this hurt. <laughs> like, let go. And I'm like, I can't do anything, Casey. Like, I, I know, I know, I know. For a fancy ham sandwich and two glasses of water, our bill was over a hundred dollars. I mean, can I be honest? This happened in 1999. I am still hacked off about this fact. I'm, I'm like, I, they're pastors. I want to call them now. Be like, bro, what were you thinking? Come on, shame, shame on you. Shame on you, Jason. Anyways, Jason. his name was Jason. Um, I'm not going to tell you what else. But, and here's the problem. This is why it made us so mad is because it affected the rest of our trip. Right? It affected the rest of our budget was blown. Like we were not recovering from this. So we did what any great newlywed couple did. We put it on a card and went in debt, and that was our plan there for him. Say, well, what say you, right? Like, like that's what we're doing, Dave. You know, kiss. Um, we're just <laughs> kiss off. I don't, I don't care. Um, we're, we're, we're going in debt. And we did, and it was a moment that we could not recover from for the rest of the trip. And as I say, I feel the weight of it. I feel the, the heaviness of it. And some of you, like when I said, they said split the checks, you're like, ah, right? And yet there's some of us that we've had a moment in our life that still we feel the weight from, right? That there's a moment, there was a choice that you made that man cost you and hurt you and you feel the weight of it this morning because it led you into a phase and you spent a time of your life and a phase of your life making some foolish decisions that cost you. And now you are dealing with the fallout and you're trying to carry the weight and you're trying to carry the burden. And here's the reality, you can't because the, the, the simple truth is you lost a lot of potential. You lost a lot of what should have been and you are haunted with the what ifs. What if I didn't, what if I didn't do that? What if I wouldn't have made that choice? What if I would have skipped that phase and I wouldn't have just jumped in and, and you just feel the weight of it this morning. And for some of us, that's the reason we haven't come to church. That's the reason we, we don't go to church very often because man, there's just a weight, there's a, there's a heaviness, there's a guilt, there's a shame that you feel, even when you get close 
Church, and this morning, if that's you, there's something I want us to know that's pivotal to this whole message, and it's our first point. Understand this morning, you can't outdo what Jesus has already done. You can't outdo what Jesus has already done for your life. The very thing that we celebrate on Easter is what Jesus did on a cross and the shedding of his blood and the resurrection and the forgiveness that it didn't just bring people who behaved good or conducted their life good all throughout their life. No, 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 that it came and it rescued sinners. It rescued people who were living horrible, horrible lives or foolish lives or made bad decisions that are dealing with the fallout of it. And can I tell you this morning, if you're feeling the weight, understand and lean into this. You can't outdo what Jesus has already done for you. In Romans chapter five, it says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, How much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation." Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass or sin, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love the very first part of our text, why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Why we were still a mess. Why we still didn't have it together. Why we were lost, Christ died for us. In fact, the text says why we were enemies of God. Even when you were living your life contrary to him, so many times we feel condemnation and we feel guilt. But hear me, why you were in that state and why you are in that state, he died for you. If you go down into our kids area, especially from birth to three years, you're gonna go and you're gonna see a lot of kids with snotty noses. Um, it happens all the time. It's just, it's, it's just allergy season in Oklahoma, it's real. Um, but as a pastor, And as a man, if your kid's got a snotty nose, I'm not gonna hold your kid. I'm just gonna let you know. Um, I'm just like, clean that kid up and then we'll talk. But I'm just not into cleaning snotty nose, especially the green stuff that looks like they're dumb and dumber on a bicycle, right? Like I'm like, no, I'm good. You see two-year-olds who are given Nella wafers or whatever, and they turn that Nella wafer into like an oatmeal mush and it's all over. And I'm like, ugh. And they come up and they're like, hold me. I'm like, no, like clean your hands off. And then we'll talk, right? And moms, I don't know how you do it. You walk in and you see your baby with snot on their nose and you just go, whoop, like this. And when Casey used to do that, I'd be like, Ugh. yeah, I'd just be like, oh. <laughs> I'd be like, gross. What's wrong with you, right? 
Like Casey, I would be watching the girls and Casey would be home and she's like, there's snot all over their noses and their face. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And she's like, Justin, you know, and I'm like, oh, oh, you just wipe it on your, yes, whatever it takes, sleeves. All the moms have come and talked to me like, that's what you do as a mom. Why do moms do this? Not just because they're superheroes and have superpowers to wipe snot off, right? Let's, this isn't even Mother's Day and I'm giving moms props. It's because that baby's theirs. Even when they're messy, even when they're gross and have oatmeal hands from a Nella wafer, that baby's theirs. Even in their mess, even in their dysfunction. And can I tell you, that's exactly how Jesus views you. In the middle of your mess, in the middle of your dysfunction, in the middle of the life that you created, you created your own problems. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Can I tell you, he died for you while you were still a sinner. Man, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So some of you, you look at your life and the sin has gotten greater and greater, right? You look at your past and the shame has gotten bigger and bigger. And you look at the debt that you owe and it's more and more. And can I tell you the great news is this, is that God's grace and the power of his, his blood becomes more powerful and more powerful. His blood didn't get watered down because of your sin, but his blood is powerful enough to wipe away your sins and turn you into a new creation, a new person that God has intended for you to be all along. There is never a place that you're gonna go that you can outdo what Jesus has already done for you on a cross and an empty grave. That's the truth. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says this. He is so kind, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. All throughout the gospels, you'll see Jesus not just doing the miraculous, but also forgiving people's sins. You look at the thief on the cross and, and the thief is at a place that he deserves from his transgressions and what he did. And yet Jesus still forgives him of his sins while he's on the cross. Probably the most famous part of Jesus' forgiving sins is found in John chapter eight. And in John chapter eight, there is, records the story of the woman who is caught in the act of adultery. You remember all the religious people bring this woman and they throw her at Jesus' feet and Jesus is there and they say, the law of Moses demands that we stone this woman. What say you and Jesus goes and he says, those who have no sin cast the first stone. And everybody starts dropping their rock and Jesus kneels down and he starts drawing in the sand and in the dirt. And there's a lot of pastors that say, hey, this is what Jesus wrote. He probably said this, he probably said, they don't know. They're just trying to sound smart. They don't know. Like he probably wrote, you'll never know what I'm writing, right? Like he just probably, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Like it's what he did. That's what I would have done, right? That's what he wrote. Uh, anyways, and then he gets up and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And he goes, and neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. You see, for some of us, it's not that Jesus hasn't, we haven't encountered the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. Jesus has this amazing moment with this woman where he's not con condemning her lifestyle, but he's also not condoning it. 
right? He's not condemning what she is and what she has done, but hear me, he is not condoning what she is engaged in. And some of us, do we feel stuck? It's not because we haven't encountered the grace of God. It's that we haven't moved on as Jesus has commanded this woman from the lifestyle and the life of sin that we have been living. As a result, we feel stuck. You ever been stuck? I mean, like really stuck? Like you're not getting out of there, right? I, I started researching the longest a person has been stuck in an elevator and came up to my knowledge. In 1987, there was a woman named Keevely Papa John. It is spelled like Papa John pizza, so this is where they got it. Keevely Papa John of Cyprus, at the age of 76 years old, she was trapped in her apartment elevator for six days. I'd never recover. I'm just telling you, I would come out a different person. She survived the cold and beat dehydration by rationing some fruit, vegetables, and bread that she had in her shopping bag. My mental health would be gone. I'd be smoked. Like he's, he's gone. Like he's never coming back. See it, Justin. If you make me stay in the elevator for six days, I remember coming back from a mission trip um, when I was a teenager. We're coming back from Russia. Our layover was in London, and we've got like a bunch of teenagers, and we are riding this elevator in London, and all of a sudden, we're, we're packed in this elevator, and the elevator gets stuck. And we got this girl named Misty that starts losing her mind. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you get mad, I am the worst person to have around because I think it's hilarious. Um, I think it's absolutely funny when people lose their stuff. Um, and they're my, and so Misty's like, ah, <laughs> what are we gonna do? <laughs> ah, like screaming. And I fish our business administrator. He's with me. We grew up together and we look at each other and we just start jumping like up, 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 down on the elevator. We're like, what you gonna do, Misty, right? Like, she's like, stop it, stop it. This is serious. And here's the deal. Why was she so freaked out? Because she felt stuck. She didn't know how to get out of it. And some of you, man, you feel stuck and you don't know how to get out of this rut. You don't know how to get out of this phase. You don't know how to get past where you are. And hear me today, forgiveness plus obedience keeps you from getting stuck and keeps you moving. Forgiveness plus obedience. It's not that you just have information, but I say this all the time, information plus application, right? The obedience of his word equals transformation to your life. And some of us, we've met the information. Man, you've met the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, but you have failed to obey the commands of God that is in his word. As a result, you're stuck. And in Romans chapter six, Paul says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. 
Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can obey, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Can I tell you, whatever you obey is leading you somewhere. And it's not that you haven't been forgiven, it's that you have refused to choose. To, obedience is always a choice. And we say, oh, well, that's just not, I just don't have the willpower. Yes, you do. You just haven't chosen yourself there yet. And some of you, you need to choose your way to obeying what God has for you because when he's telling the woman to move on and go and sin no more, he's telling her how to live life out in a better way, in a more full way. When he says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full, it's not that you just would encounter the forgiveness of Jesus, but that you would follow in the footsteps of Jesus and you would live your life the way that he lived his life and he understands that his word's a better way for you to live live your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say new. The old life is gone. A new life has become. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. Man, if you have encountered the grace of God, and you've asked for the forgiveness of God, why are you staying stuck in your old habits? Why are you staying stuck and why are you choosing to live your old lifestyle before you ever met Jesus? That's not the way of following the Lord. He's saying you're not your old person, you're a new person and this is a better way for you to live. And here's the massive benefit and if you've tuned me out, tune back in. He's saying this, that if you will do this, this is the massive payoff that I am offering you through just following my word. Not doing what Justin Graves says, not doing what this denomination says or this church says, but if you will follow my word, here's what will happen. If you will be obedient to Jesus Christ and his commandments, here's what will happen. You will start living your life, making better, wiser choices and living with fewer regrets. And can I tell you, that's the goal every one of us has. That we could live our life making better and wiser choices and living with fewer regrets. In John chapter five, at the very beginning of the chapter, there's a man that's been paralyzed for 38 years. His dysfunction has become part of his identity and who he is. He has been begging for 38 years, has been laying on a mat for 38 years, and he would not be laying there if his body or his system, his operating system, right, if it had worked properly. But since it didn't work properly, he made a bed to adapt and deal with the very thing that wasn't working. See, there was a breakdown in his life and system, and at some point he just adapted and got used to the breakdown and the system and the way that his life was operating. You all, wait, there we go. All of us in this place, we have a cell phone, right? I would say the majority of us, 99% of us have a cell phone. And there are times where my cell phone doesn't operate and function correctly as it was designed to function and operate. And so when that happens, I will turn it off and think, man, maybe if I just power it down, 
it will work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So if my app isn't working, what I will do next, if that didn't fix it, I will delete my app and then I will reinstall my app. If that doesn't work, I start realizing, hey dummy, they have an update for the operating system that Apple has sent that will make your phone work properly like it was because it is an operating system breakdown that is happening. So when I update my operating system, my phone starts working like it was created to work. And can I tell you, there's some of us that we are here today and you're watching at home online that your operating system is broken down and your life is not operating and functioning the way that it is supposed to function in the way that you were created and designed to function. And you have tried adding people and deleting people from your life, adding things and deleting things from your life. Every New Year's resolution that you were trying to add and every bad thing that you were trying to take away, you were adding apps and taking away apps. Some of you, you have tried vacations, you have tried sabbaticals, you've tried rest and nothing is working because there is a breakdown in the way that you've been operating and you are stuck. And Jesus knew this when it came to this 38-year-old man's beggar, begging life. There wasn't just a breakdown in his physical body. There was a breakdown on the inside of his body. Because becoming a beggar had become his identity and the excuse for why his life had turned out the way it had. Some of us, man, we're the same way. And the great thing, not the great, one of the great things about Jesus is this is that when he comes and when he encounters this beggar, he doesn't just fix the outside. He fixes the inside as well. Because he realizes if I don't get the inside fixed, it's just gonna be a matter till his whole life is dysfunctional again. Because when we get it backwards, we think as long as the outside looks good, then who cares about the inside? But here's the truth. As long as the inside is dysfunctional and not operating the way that you were created, it's just a matter of time till it shows up on the outside. And Jesus comes and he asks this question in John chapter five, verse six, before he ever heals him, before he ever forgives him, any of that, he asks a question. He says, do you wanna get well? Do you want to get well? Or do you wanna keep operating like you've been operating all along? And some of us here today, some of us watching online today, same questions posed to you today. Do you actually want to get well? Do you want to live your life out in a better way? Because it's available. It's there. He's already paid the price for you. Or do you want to keep operating in a system that you know and I know is broken down? And if the answer to that is yes, then understand this, and it's our last point, there is never a moment in your life when God's grace is not sufficient for you. Man, there's never, a, there's never a phase, there's never a decision, there's never a point, there's never a rut that you're in that God's grace is not sufficient for you. I don't care how good you've gotten at hiding your vices and your addictions. There's not a moment in your life where God's grace isn't sufficient for you. There's gonna be moments in life where you aren't sufficient for you, where you can't fix you, where you aren't smart enough for you, but can I tell you, there's never a moment where God's grace isn't sufficient for you. There's never a moment where his 
just grace can't fix you. There's never a moment where God can't find you. God looks at your sin and he says, my grace can cover that. He looks at your shame and he says, my grace can cover that. He looks at your past and says, my grace can cover that because his grace is sufficient for every aspect and every part of your life, man. There's never a moment where God's grace is not sufficient for you. The only thing you have to do is ask. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, everybody say all, all unrighteousness. He covers the gamut. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. When Charlie and Chloe, my daughters, when they were younger, they used to help uh, empty the dishwasher. I don't know why they don't help now, but they don't. Um, they thought it was really fun. And so um, we would, I would let them, and, and I don't know where Casey was. She's probably shopping or taking a break. She needed it. But we're sitting there, and, and one of the girls was helping me unload the dishwasher. I'm like, hey, be careful. They're, they're, they're still wet. Don't let them slip. Be careful. And they've got their little princess dress on and they're barefoot in there. I mean, they're tiny. And I would put them up on the cabinet, right? And, and I forget which one grabbed it, but they grabbed this glass plate and they turned and they dropped it. And it went all over the place. I mean, there's glass all over the place. There's a mess. They're barefoot. And they look at me like, like this. And I look at them and I go, are you okay? And they look down and they're kind of like, I think so. And then I was like, you idiot. Why would you ever drop? You're never gonna be able to play athletics with hands like that, right? Like, what, what are we gonna do? No, I didn't say that. I didn't get mad at him. I wasn't like, loser, that was my favorite play, right? No. You know what happened? I put some shoes on and I went right into their mess where they couldn't move and they couldn't function where they were stuck. And I picked them up and I took them to a place where they could function that was safe for them to move along and to live their life. Can I tell you, that's exactly what God's grace does for you. That's exactly what the whole story of Easter and this weekend's all about, is that Jesus saw your mess and why you are still yet a sinner, why you are even an enemy of God. God sent his only son to come down into your mess that he didn't create, and all of a sudden he enters a place where you can't move, where you can't function, and you don't know how to move or have a mean without hurting yourself or hurting your marriage, and you're at the end of your road and you're in a rut, and he picks you up, and he takes you to a place and says, now go and sin no more. Now go and live that life that I came, that you may have it and have it to the full. And that's the story of the gospels. That's why Jesus came, and that's what he offers you today. So the question is once again, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because if so, all you have to do today is ask. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. <clears throat> God, I thank you for saving a wretch like us, a wretch like me, who didn't deserve your grace didn't deserve your forgiveness, and yet you came into my mess and rescued me. And Lord, there are some of us that we're here in this place and we're watching online. 
that we don't know where to even begin. Because we don't feel worthy. None of us are worthy. God, we feel embarrassed. All of us have been embarrassed. We don't know how to fix it. None of us could fix it. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so, God, I pray today that you would speak to hearts, that you'd speak to lives, and that we would become who you've called and intended us to be all along. That there would be a new operating system to our life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, today if you're here, and you say, Justin, I'm here, and I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. Today, maybe you're here and you say, Justin, the reality is I've been stuck for a while. And I haven't been operating like I know I should. There's been a breakdown in my operating system and I just need to recommit my life and start following after him. And if that's you today, either one, I'm gonna count to three and all I want you to do is raise your hand and we're gonna lead you in a prayer to change your life. I'm gonna ask you for five seconds of crazy courage just to take a bold step, not to pretend you're something that you're not, but do you wanna get well today? And if so, when I get to three, shoot your hand up in the air and we're gonna lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today you say that's me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else? You just join these hands, yeah. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody else you just say that's me? And there's hands up all over this place, yeah. That's, I see you, I see you. Is there anyone else? Can I tell you, this is nothing, nothing to be embarrassed about, but man, this is a bold move that you make, not for your parents' sake, not for your spouse's sake, but for your sake. This is a decision you've got to make for you. Is there anyone else before we go any further today? You say, Justin, that's me. I want to get well. I want to get well. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I realize God's got more for me and I want to get well. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? That's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. God, I've created a mess, but I need you to rescue me. And I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it and I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give these individuals a huge round of applause today, FC? Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.